Praise the Lord. If you brought a Bible, let me invite you to go with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 6. 1 Samuel is in the Old Testament. If uh, you don't have a Bible, you can read along with us on the screen or find it on your digital device there. As we read the word of the Lord this morning out of the Old Testament book of Samuel, we come to a scene in the life of the nation of Israel, not too unlike uh, some of our lives from time to time. And 1 Samuel 14, 6, it reads, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. For the last few weeks, these words have rung in my heart as we read them again this morning. The Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. If we put it in the new uh, Isaac de los Santos translation, we could say, the Lord doesn't have to do it your way. Can you say amen to that this morning? God will do it. Father, we thank you because your word is true and living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It knows no limits and no boundaries. This morning, I would ask the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word of God with gladness of heart. We ask, Father, for peace to come by the preaching of the word and to encourage our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Have you ever been in a rut? The church isn't here this morning. I said, have you ever been in a rut? going to have to forgive me this morning. I've been fighting a cold, and uh, so if I run out of a voice to preach, I'll just toss the mic out there, and whoever catches it will finish the sermon. That all right with you? That's a brave church. How do you get out of a rut? Life sometimes gets into ruts, and maybe this morning some of you are in a rut. You say, Pastor, what's a rut? Basically, a rut is a cycle that you can't seem to get out of, a low point in your journey where you feel like maybe you are fighting by yourself, where you feel like there is no way out, that there is only defeat in your future. And so this morning, I want to bring a word from God for people who have been in a rut are in a rut or might be in a rut, all right? So that's everybody in here along life's journey. We're going to need this word of encouragement. The nation of Israel was led by a man named Saul. Saul was the anointed king of Israel. He had been a man mightily used by God to deliver the nation of Israel from time to time. But at this season of his life, Saul has taken a turn for the worse. Now, the problem with Saul was that he was a man who uh, fostered a great deal of pride in his heart. And when you compare him to the kings of Israel to follow him, whose name was David, David and Saul 
were uh, similar in the sense that they both sinned against the Lord greatly. In fact, David probably sinned against God more severely than Saul even. But there was a great difference between them. Saul didn't know how to repent. He didn't ever seem to find a place of repentance and brokenness before God. On the other hand, David was a repenter extraordinaire. He could repent at the drop of a hat. He knew how to get things right with God. When you are living life, it's better to be like David than like Saul because you will make mistakes. There will be blunders. There may even be moments of, of a great error and sin in your life. And it is in those moments that you and I must fall back upon this great invitation uh, which the Lord says that he is ready to forgive. And we must be a person who is willing to say, God, I have sinned, I have messed up, I've blown it, I have ruined it, and I need your forgiveness and I need your help. Saul was not such a man. He was the man who would try to justify himself, try to justify his sin, try to justify the actions that he had taken. And in the chapter that precedes the chapter we're reading right now, we find him uh, who is preparing to go into battle. And the prophet of Israel named Samuel had said to him, I'm going to come and we're going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. When the day grew long and Samuel had not yet come, Saul uh, felt that he needed to put up a front before his men. He was a little bit embarrassed by the fact that the preacher had not yet arrived, and so he took it upon himself to do something that was not his to do, and he offered the sacrifice without Samuel. When Samuel arrived, he asked him, he said, What have you done, Saul? And Saul sought to justify himself by the greatness of the sacrifice and the lateness of the day and the urgency of the situation. But Samuel reminded him that obedience to God is greater than any sacrifice that you can make. It is better to obey God, friend, than to try to impress him. It is better to just do the things that God tells you to do. And haven't you noticed that if we would just have done the easy things God told us to do, we would have stayed out of a great deal of trouble. Now Samuel has, uh, has uh, come to, to Saul with a message that is heartbreaking and he says God has rejected you as the king over Israel and he's going to take the throne out of your hands. Saul goes into battle now against the Philistines without the anointing of the Spirit of God without the grace to do the task. And he goes into this battle, and um, the Bible tells us that he is routed. He is defeated in this battle, and the small fledgling army of 600 of Israel goes to hide in the holes and the caves to wait the decision of their king. And now Israel is in a rut. This is how we usually get into ruts. We end up finding ourselves defeated and discouraged. We fall into a place of, uh, of uh, protection. We fall into a hole. We fall into a cave even, just like the prophet Elijah who fell into a cave on the days that he was being persecuted by Jezebel. And the Lord came to Elijah and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
God was saying to him, my servants don't belong in caves. I didn't call you to be in a hole. I called you to be in a place of, of height, a place of, of usefulness to God. And this morning, God's message is no different for you. Whether you're in a hole or in a cave or you're hiding out or you're wishing things were different, can I tell you, God's place for you is higher and better than that. And he has a day of deliverance for your life. Have you ever been in a rut? found himself, the nation of Israel found itself in a rut in the army in caves. And instead of coming up with a strategy and going into battle against the Philistines, Saul did the very thing that you must not do if you want to get out of a rut. So first I'm going to give you the wrong advice, okay, so you won't take it. Saul started fighting the wrong people. And isn't that usually what happens when we get into trouble? When we get into a rut in our spiritual life, we get into a rut in our finances, we get into a rut in our relationships, we get into trouble, and the easiest thing to do is to start blaming and to start fighting with the wrong people. Is the church here this morning? When uh, Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, the first thing that Adam said to God when God asked him, why uh, did you cover yourself with fig leaves? How did you know you were naked? And he said, God, the woman that you gave me, and he immediately started shifting blame around. This is her fault and your fault for giving her to me. She brought me the fruit and I ate it. And that is the tendency of the human heart. And Saul begins to fight the wrong people. He's supposed to be fighting the Philistines. The Philistines are the usurpers of the fruitfulness of the nation of Israel. They were, uh, in ancient days, the Philistines were actually a seafaring people. They were on the sea on the Mediterranean, and they were really more like pirates. But by the time that we read about them in the nation of Israel, they are doing the same tactics at sea that they would do. Uh, now they're doing it on land. And they would allow the nation of Israel to grow its crops, and then they would come in and steal the harvest from them and steal their fruitfulness from them. Does that sound like anybody you've met lately? Isn't that still the strategy of the enemy to come in and steal your fruitfulness, to come in and steal your harvest. And so Saul needs to be taking the battle to the Philistines. Instead, he's fighting with the preacher and he's fighting with his family. Bad advice. When you get into trouble, the, the worst thing to do is start fighting the, the man of God. Come on, there aren't any amens in the house of God this morning. The enemy would like for you to fight the, the family of God. He would like for you to fight the preacher and fight the elders and fight the deacons and fight the children's workers. The enemy will have you fight just about anybody but him. And if he can get you distracted on fighting the people that God has put in your life to help you, then you're not going to get out of the rut. The enemy knows how to work against us. And so the Bible tells us that our fight is not against flesh and blood. But if the enemy can get you into a flesh and blood fight, he is going to rule the day. While Saul is fighting Samuel and Saul is fighting Jonathan, the Philistines are getting away with murder on the outside. And that is precisely what happens in many lives of the believer when they allow themselves to get caught up in battles that they don't need to to be fighting, fighting people that are on the same team. Look, you and I need to be on the same team. We're not fighting here. We're fighting together. We're going onward and upward in the name of Jesus. 
I thank God that in the five years I've been here, we've never had a church fight, and I don't plan to have any, and none of you have been uh, fighting with me, and I'm not fighting with you. But if you ever show up on my doorstep and start uh, hurling and uh, saying, Pastor, I want to fight with you, I'm going to say to you, look, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to hear what he said and she said and they said. I've got to fight with the devil. I've got to fight with sin. I've got to fight with an enemy of a soul. Come on, somebody. We have a, 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 an enemy to fight. And so he's fighting with Samuel and he's fighting with Jonathan. And the enemy would love to have you fight your family. Have you ever been in a family fight? Maybe you're in a family fight right now. You're smiling. But only you know the, what, the pot's, what the pot is cooking back home. And you can get into trouble. You can get distracted fighting your wife, fighting your husband, fighting your kids, fighting your neighbor, fighting your boss, fighting everybody but the devil. Come on, church. You and I have to be focused. We have to realize, look, she's not my problem. He's not my problem. They're not my problem. I have a devil to fight. I have a devil to go against. And when you, when you realize that, you start to set aside all these petty differences and you say, you know what? We are on the same team. She might have burned the tortillas this morning, but you are on the same team. He might have forgotten to bring the milk last night from the grocery store, but you are on the same team. Come on, somebody. We are on the same team. We're on the battlefield with the Lord. And so Saul takes the wrong approach. Starts fighting the people in his life. He's distracted from the, from the enemy himself. Some of you, I just have to tell you, you, you need to turn the fight around. You need to face your weapon at the enemy. Not at your family, not at the people in your life. There's some people been in a bad mood since January. Not this morning, I think they missed church. But there are some people that have been in a bad mood all year long. And everybody's walking around on pins and needles around them, walking on eggshells, don't want to mess up, don't want to get into trouble. They don't want to stir the pot with mama or daddy. I tell you in the name of Jesus, repent and get it right with God. You don't have time for that mess. You don't have time for that. There is a battle to fight. You have a devil to fight. Say that, I have a devil to fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. This is a spiritual fight. It must be engaged with a spiritual warfare. Jonathan, on the other hand, Saul's son, he had a different spirit, a different heart. He was in the same caves, the same holes, the same rut, same problem, but he had a different mindset. The old poem says, two men staring out of prison bars, one saw mud, one saw stars. When you are in a rut, you have a choice to focus on what you don't have, what you can't see, or you have a choice to look up and say, I will look to the mountain from which my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. You have a choice today on what you're going to focus on. Saul was focusing on the wrong thing, but Jonathan lifted up his eyes. And he had this sense that God was about to work on his behalf. 
He had in his mind, in his heart, the faith and the confidence that said to him, God is able to save by many or by few. He was in the same cave with Saul. The only difference was that Jonathan had a word from God. How many of you have a word from God? Oh, I don't think you heard me this morning. How many of you have a promise from God? I'm talking about you wake up in the morning thinking about that promise. You go to bed at night thinking about that promise. The devil can't shake it from you. You have a word from God. Is there anybody in here this morning that has a word from God? You have a promise from God over your life. Jonathan had a word from God over his life. He had a, a sense about him that said that God is going to show up in my life. God is going to show up on behalf of the nation of Israel. The Bible says that the word of God is like a hammer that shatters the rock and like rain in the spring and snow in the winter. So is the word of God. It will go forth and it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. God said, I am not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should repent. What I have spoken, I will do with my hand what my mouth has spoken. Somebody give God praise for his word. The, the apostle Paul found himself in a similar situation. He was in a prison cell in a dungeon in Rome writing to Timothy, his protege. And he begins to write to Timothy from prison. And note his words. He says, Timothy, I am in prison, but the word of God is not in prison. I'm here today to tell you this morning, you may be in a rut, but God's word is not in a rut. You may be in trouble, but God's word is not in trouble. You may be sick, but God's word is not sick. Come on, somebody. The word of God is not in prison. The word of God is not bound. You may be in a cave. But the word of God is not in the cave. For you see, we are creatures of the word. We live and breathe the word of God. We are products of the word of God. That means we are what the word says we are. And we have what the word says we can have. Come on, somebody. You and I have the word of almighty God. And that is the final word. The word of God is not bound. Therefore, I am not bound. The word of God is whole. Therefore, I am whole. The word of God says I'm righteous. Therefore, I am righteous. The word of God says I am the healed of the Lord. Therefore, I am the healed of the Lord. The word of God says I'm blessed. Therefore, I am blessed. Come on, somebody. Give God praise for his undying word. Thy word is not bound. Jonathan knew this. He knew that he had God's word. And what was that word? It was simply this. The Lord is not limited to save by many or by few. God doesn't need everybody. He just needs somebody. Did you hear me this morning? I said God doesn't need everybody. He just needs somebody. Is there any somebody's in here? God doesn't need your whole family. He just needs somebody in that family to stand up and declare the righteousness of God. He doesn't need your whole house. He just needs you to stand up and say, God, I will believe you. Jonathan took took hold of this word, and listen to what he said. He said, perhaps the Lord will work for us today. 
And chapter 14 bears witness about him. And the word says that the Lord worked with Jonathan on that day. See, all God was waiting for was for someone to give him something to work with. There were 600 men in caves. Only two of them had swords. The Bible says that the nation of Israel, they, were, they had no blacksmiths, so anytime they needed to, to have their iron shaped into a plow or a pitchfork, they had to go into the Philistine territory, but as it was, the Philistines and the Israelites were not having good trade relationships. Therefore, there were no blacksmiths in Israel, and there were only two swords in all of the land of Israel. One was Saul's and one was Jonathan's. That's why you got to be in the right mood, because you might be the only person in your family with a sword. Come on, somebody. You might need to have some faith, because you might be the only person in your neighborhood that knows how to get hold of the Word of God. And we already know about Saul, but Jonathan knows, you know what, I'm one of the only people in this army that has a sword, and, and God is looking for somebody to work with. This miracle is about to take place in the life of Israel would not have occurred until somebody gave God something to work with. Now, this is an important principle from the Word of God I don't want you to miss. In Genesis 1, God created something out of nothing. Ex nihilo, out of nothing, God created the world. He created the earth, he created the sun, the moon, the stars, out of nothing by the sheer force of his will, he said, let there be, and there was. Since then, God's miraculous works have been through the things he has created. And so when it comes to your life and mine, and we say, God, how do I get out of this rut? How do I get a miracle in my life? What God is looking for is what do you have in your hand? What do you have at your disposal? What do you have that you can give him to work with? He said to Moses, what is that in your hand? Moses had a rod in his hand. And when he gave it to the Lord, that rod became the rod of God. And with that rod, he parted the Red Sea. And with that rod, he closed the Red Sea because he gave God what he had. The Bible talks about the widow who came to the prophet Elijah. She brought the last bread cake and a glass of water to the servant of God. And when she put what she had in God's hands, her bowl of meal never went dry and her cruise of oil never dried up because she gave God something to work with. Jesus fed 5,000 men, not including the women and children, because a little boy brought a sack lunch and gave him something to work with. What am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you. God is looking for you to give him something to work with. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be glamorous. All he needs is a little bit of faith. All he needs is a little bit of faith that says, I believe that God is able to show up in my life. He's looking for you to give him something that he can use. A step of faith. If you're in a financial need, give him something to work with in your finances. If you are in a relational need, give him something to work with in your relationships. Put yourself in a place where God can move. You see, Jonathan had to come to this conclusion. If God's not in the cave, 
then I've got to get where God is. You see, many times we spend our day praying for God to get in the pity party with us. Oh, Lord, come sit in this cave with me. Lord, come keep me company while I howl and moan about what I don't have. Oh, Lord, come have a pity party with me. God's not about to do that. He's telling to you, he's telling you this morning, come on, get out here where I am. Get out in the miracle territory. Take a step of faith and I will meet you where you are. Come on, somebody. God is waiting for you to take a step. One step. Jonathan did not only take hold of the word of God, not only did he give God something to work with, but I also see that he finds the right company to go with him. This is also a very important principle because, you see, if you're going to get out of a rut, you've got to have the right help. There's some people who never can make it in their Christian walk because they don't ever get rid of the wrong help. You cannot get out while you're trying to hang out with people that are still in. There comes a moment when you have to decide, I've got to say goodbye to those people. I've got to say goodbye to those friends. I've got to say goodbye to those acquaintances. We can't hang out anymore. We can't talk on the phone till 2 in the morning anymore. I've got to move on with Jesus because if I'm going to get out at all, I'm going to have to get out without the, without the mess that's around this life of mine. He made a decision to get the right man in his life. He said to his armor bearer, I want to go up and attack the Philistines. Crazy. When you're going to do a crazy thing like that, you need some crazy people with you. Some people who believe God on your level. The last thing you want to do is get around some people and say, oh, yeah, my auntie died of that. And, and, uh, and my, my uncle went broke just like you are. And, and you know, uh, my friend went and tried that and it didn't work for them. You got to get around some people that can say, thus saith the Lord. Some people that know what God has promised. Some people that have some faith. He said... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my armor bearer along with me. He said, I want to go up against this garrison of the Philistines. And that young man said to him, do what is, what is, whatever is in your heart, and I'm going to be right behind you. Note this, friend, his, his armor bearer did not have a sword of his own. All he had was the ability to show up and just be there and be steadfast beside Jonathan's side. I'm here today to tell you that there are some things you got to get rid of if you're going to get out of the rut. There are some chains that you have to sever, some ties you have to sever if you're going to get out of the rut. Because those people, God will help them someday if they'll let him. There are some people in your life who need to be saved. They need to be set free, but you're not the one to set them free right now because you're trying to break free yourself. So you got to say, hold on a little bit. I'll be back in a little while to check on you, but I've got to go on with Jesus. I've got to fight for myself. I've got to fight for my family. Come on, somebody. I've got to get out of this rut. I can't help you out while I'm in it. And then the Bible tells me that he started climbing. He started climbing. On his hands and his feet. Where was he? He was in a hole. He was in a rut. Very deep rut. Now I like to hike. And there are different types of hikes you can go on. There are some hikes where there are very little elevation and you just walk like this. You never, you never lose your breath. Those are easy hikes. 
But you don't get very high going on that kind of hike. There are other hikes where there's a slight incline. And so maybe you take a little bit of a walking stick and you have to put some effort into getting up that hill. But then there are some hikes where it's straight up. And the only way to get straight up is your hands and your feet. And when you get to that kind of an incline, when you find yourself in that kind of hole, the only attitude that will get you out or get you over it is the kind that says, whatever it takes, but I'm getting out of this hole. Whatever it takes, but I'm getting out of this rut. You see, some of you are walking with Jesus today because one day you came to that, you came to that incline. You came to that place where your pride broke and your arrogance broke and you fell on your knees before God. You said, God, whatever it takes, break it off my life. I got to get out of here. I got to go. I got to move on. I've got to be free. And today you're free because you decided to do whatever it takes. Is there anybody in here this morning that's going to say whatever it takes, Lord, but I can't stay? here. Jonathan made up in his mind, I am not going to die in this hole. I am not going to die in this mess. Come on, somebody. Make up your mind this morning. I may die, but I'm not dying in this mess. I may go down, but I'm not going down like this. I am doing whatever it takes. I'm going to fight my way out in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking to somebody, you've tried it once, you've tried twice, you've tried three times and four times. I don't care how many times you tried, get back in the fight. Take it to the devil. Fight on in the name of Jesus, whatever it takes. If I have to fast and pray, whatever it takes. If I have to read my Bible until God speaks to my soul, whatever it takes. If I have to swallow my pride and say I'm sorry it was me, I was wrong, then whatever it takes. If I have to stand in the back of the church because there aren't any seats to sit in, whatever it takes. If I have to cry till my mascara is running, whatever it takes. But I'm not going down in this fight. I've got to go on. I've got to go up in the name of Jesus. Not going out like this. He starts climbing on his hands and his feet. Not too worried now about how I look. When you get real desperate, it doesn't matter how you look, how people see you, what people might think about you. Uh, it doesn't even matter anymore. I've just got to get out of here. I've got to fight through this thing. He starts climbing. And when he climbs out to the top, the Bible said he engages the Philistines in battle. One man had a sword. The other guy just had a mean look, I guess. But when they came into that battle, Jonathan started swinging his sword, and God gave him victory. And then as those men began to fight, I imagine his armor bearer picked up one of those swords, and he began to fight too. And before you knew it, they had already slaughtered 20 men within just a few moments. And the Bible said that a terror came into the hearts of the Philistines and their hearts began to quake but then something else happened the ground beneath them began to tremble what does that tell me that tells me that when Jonathan showed up on that battlefield God showed up with him that God showed up to say Jonathan I am on your side I am fighting for you come on church you're not alone in the fight God is with you in the fight and he is able to save by many or by few. 
All he needs from you this morning is something to work with. All he needs from you this morning is a little bit of faith that says, God, I believe you. And I know that I can't die in this mess I'm in. I can't die in this hole. I can't die in this cave of depression. I can't die in this cave of discouragement. I can't die in this cave of fear. I'm getting out whatever it takes. I'm hanging on with Jesus whatever it takes. I'm going to fight on whatever it takes. Because if God before me, then who can be against me? Can I get you to just grab a hold of the word of God this morning and fight your fight? Fight in the name of Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't let the enemy stare you down. Don't let him intimidate you. Don't let him tell you you're always going to be in this rut. You make up your mind today. I'm going up and I'm going out in the name of Jesus because this is my inheritance because I am a child of the living God. Give God praise in his house this morning. Would you stand with me please? Right where you are, just raise your hands. Open your mouth. Begin to worship God. Give him something to work with this morning. Just give him something to work with this morning. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what you're facing. Some of you are just coming out of a fight. Some of you are just getting into one. Doesn't matter this morning. God is your warrior. He is your champion. He says to you, I'll meet you on the battlefield. You take the step, and I will take it with you. You're not alone. You may be fighting the greatest demons you've ever fought. Today, Jesus is standing beside you. He guarantees victory to those who will trust in him by faith. Have you fallen? Get up. Have you fallen twice? Get up. Three times, four times, get up and fight on in the name of Jesus. Take the fight to the devil. Take the fight to sin. God is on your side. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, your people, come as an army, not great in number, but great in our faith. We stand before you, O oh God, to say that we have a devil to fight. We have no chance of winning if not by your divine hand. Come, O oh God, and bring deliverance, whether it be by many or by few. It doesn't have to be my way. It doesn't have to be through my strategy. Have your way, oh God. Do it your way, Jesus. Give me the victory today in Jesus' name. If you want a victory from God this morning, I want you to take a step of faith and just come into this altar. Whatever it is you're facing, just come into this altar. Take your step right now. Just say, God, whatever it takes, I'm coming out of this. Whatever it takes... I'm coming through. Come on, engage your faith this morning.